Welcome to Tales from the Mooseverse. We're glad to have you here. My name is Ian. Montgomery the Moose and Montgomery the Mouse are stranded in another, another realm, where the great Gonzalo, an enormous magical blue dragon, had been imprisoned for more than 200 years. They have fulfilled their destiny of fixing magic, or have they? The dragon left them there, and now Montgomery and Montgomery's friends have to figure out what's next. When the great Gonzalo reunited with the other dragons, they determined that the missing dragon, Shalar, was in the subatomic world. The group of friends knew that Bobby the alien and his sentient spaceship were also there, and Walter, Wheezy, Phoebe, and Tamar hitched a ride with the orange dragon, Trevor, into the subatomic world. Today, let's see how they get on. And as always, stay tuned after the story for a way you can join in. Dear listener, the subatomic world doesn't look much like ours. In amongst the empty space, seemingly random shapes of various sizes and colors float around. These shapes make up everything in our world. And everything in every world. Everything we can touch and everything in between. Everything we hear, everything we smell, everything we see. In short, the sea of everything. In the sea of everything, the orange dragon, known as Trevor, opened his mouth. Okay, you can come out now, he said. After a few moments, he realized what had happened. Oh no, I swallowed you, didn't I? Hold on. He coughed. Nothing happened. He coughed again. He poked and pushed his chest as much as his short arms would let him. Nothing happened. He grabbed a large yellow spiky ball that was floating by, rammed it into his chest, and carefully put it back where he took it from. Suddenly, Trevor felt like he was throwing up, but the only things that came back into his mouth were two frogs and two miniature humans. He held out his tongue, and the four creatures floated off gently, staying what appeared to be a few feet away, although since they were at subatomic size, they weren't even nanometers apart from each other. Ugh, back in New York, no one ever tried to eat me, Walter reminisced. I literally had never been in anyone's mouth before that horse brought us to Maine, and now it seems to be a habit. Whoa, Phoebe said, giving voice to her other companions as she looked around at all the floating shapes. What is this place? This, Trevor said with some pride, is the sea of everything. And what are these? Wheezy asked as she floated onto a glowing blue cube. These are the pieces that make up atoms. Phoebe and Tamar, I believe your kind, will call them protons, neutrons, and electrons. Oh, we're not humans, not really, Tamar said. Oh, yes, you are, the dragon retorted. I was there when your ancestors were shrunk down. This shocked the sisters. And now look at you, shrunk down more than any human ever has been. Whee! The sisters heard from behind Trevor and looked to see that both Wheezy and Walter were hopping from shape to shape, pushing each of these atomic pieces away with each jump. What are you doing? Trevor shouted. Don't push those. Those are the pieces that make up everything in our reality. When you move things around down here, you're changing the atomic structure up above. Who knows what it's doing up there? At that moment, in the realm of dragons, some of the water in the waterfall the dragon had drunk from inexplicably froze into hard ice crystals, despite the warm temperatures. Stop! Trevor shouted. 
and flew around delicately but quickly to grab the two frogs in his hands, while also trying to put the atomic pieces back where he thought they went. We have to be extremely careful, he said when he was done. Things we do down here could change everything up on our level. Well, okay, Walter replied grumpily. How was I supposed to know? So, how do we find our friends? Wheezy asked Travor. Like this, he said. Reaching out so Phoebe and Tamar could touch the frogs, the group saw an orange glow and teleported. Where they arrived didn't look much different than where they'd just come from. Another mess of colored shapes of different sizes. And then an orange glow and a different set. And then another orange glow and a different set. At one point, Walter was sure he saw some sea creatures swimming around, but decided he must be mistaken. The dragons seemed to be gathering speed, and they jumped from place to place so quickly that it seemed to the friends like it must be way too fast for him to see anything around him. But the dragon knew what he was looking for. Uh-oh, he said after one jump, something's not right. The smaller creatures looked around them. They couldn't tell what was different this time. Maybe the shapes around them were moving a little faster than the other times, but just barely. The orange dragon looked up and to his left. There, he said. They jumped again, presumably in that direction, Phoebe thought. Sure enough, when the orange glow cleared, the shapes around them were moving faster. Travor looked up again, this time to his right. That way, he said. This time, when the glow cleared, the shapes around them were moving much faster, as if they'd been knocked out of the way. Up in the realm of dragons, where the small creature's friends were being protected by the other dragons, Roger the raccoon saw something out of the corner of her eye and said, Huh, that's odd. What is? Dorothy asked. See that chest of drawers over there? Roger said, pointing to an ornate French Rococo-style chest of drawers, complete with attached mirror, which was sitting in amongst the bushes close by. Huh, Dorothy replied, confused but amused. Yeah, Roger replied. I'm pretty sure that was a small tree a moment ago. Um, Michael pointed to a nearby rock, which was slowly transforming into a small-scale replica of Mount Rushmore. The white dragon, who had missed the first transformation, looked at this new transformation with concern. G-g-g-great, Gonzalo, the white dragon said, while still looking at the replica. What is it, Elena? The enormous blue dragon asked. I don't know how he's here, but I've seen him before on Earth. The humans revere him because he has four heads. They call him President Rushmore. The great Gonzalo looked back at Elena with disdain. I have been in prison for over 200 years, but I still remember that any time creatures are at the subatomic level, they occasionally, accidentally, reshape things. It's just chance, he said, looking around at the enormous pile of sand that suddenly appeared in the field close to them. The phoenix that flew through the air above them wondered how it had suddenly come to life, before suddenly turning into a rubber bass fish and falling to the great Gonzalo's feet, mounted on a pedestal with an inscription that said, Cape Cod. The fish started singing, Here's a little song I wrote. Although, that is a lot of reshaping, the great Gonzalo continued. You might want to sing it note for note, the rubber fish continued. The great Gonzalo looked at the other dragons. Don't worry, the rubber fish sang. The dragons looked back, hoping that their looks were reassuring. Be happy, the rubber fish concluded. The great Gonzalo bent down and picked up the rubber fish in one hand. His arms weren't the best at holding things in front of his face, but he looked at it as best as he could and snarled. Back in the sea of everything, the group jumped once again. This time, when they arrived, they were in the right place.
Spaceship! Travol, Walter, and Wheezy all shouted at the same time. In the distance, the round UFO shape of Spaceship zoomed haphazardly around like a fly stuck in a room. She didn't seem to hear them, but then, by chance, headed back in the group's direction. Spaceship didn't have any eyes, so the group couldn't tell if she saw them, but then, just as she was about to crash into them, as she had so many protons, neutrons, electrons, and quarks, she stopped. What felt like just inches away from them, but which was, of course, less than a nanometer away. Dragon? Spaceship's voice rang out. There was a pause. Please don't destroy me. What? Trevor answered. We're not here to destroy you, we're here to save you. But the other dragon was, the yellow one. Spaceship, we're here, Walter shouted out. He and Wheezy couldn't tell what spaceship could see, but she responded, Frogs? You came for me? Yes, Wheezy replied. How did you find me? Spaceship asked. I thought I was stuck here forever. Well, you might be, unless we can find that yellow dragon you talked about, Trevor announced. But she wants to destroy me. No, she doesn't. She just wants you out of here. Well, she said she was going to destroy me. She has a bit of a temper sometimes. Uh, yeah, no kidding. She thinks I'm with the Squarks. Squarks? Phoebe asked, wondering if she'd heard right. Yeah, nasty things. She thinks I'm one of them, or helping them, or something. Do you know where she is? Tamar asked. Of course I do. You think I wouldn't have a way to track the creature that said she wanted to destroy me? She paused, as if looking at Tamar and Phoebe. Wow, you two humans shrunk down more than you were supposed to, huh? Not sure yet, Phoebe answered. This one, she pointed to Trevor, knows more than we do about that. Anyway, let's get this over with, shall we? Trevor said impatiently. Can you take us to Shalar? Who? Spaceship asked. The yellow dragon, can you take us to her? Spaceship would have opened her mouth to answer if she had one but then she also would have opened her eyes wide in panic, if she had eyes, and drawn a sharp breath, if she breathed, as a shadow passed behind her friends. Sh, sh, sh. Yes, Shala, Trevor said encouragingly, unaware of anything going on behind him. No, sh, 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 squark! The group turned to face behind them and saw something that was larger than the teleporting Trevor and looked just like a great white... Shark! It swam with purpose through the sea of everything, opening its mouth and baring its teeth to munch down on any shape that got in its way. Spheres, cones, pyramids, and then it saw them. Run! Spaceship shouted. Of course, running was impossible, but as Spaceship started to flee, the teleporting Trevor reached out to touch her hull with his wing, and suddenly they were all somewhere else. Another part of the subatomic world that looked similar, but without a great white squark. What was that? Wheezy shouted. That was a squark, Spaceship yelled. I've seen dozens of them. They just swim around and eat things. The dragon keeps stopping them, but she seems to think I'm with them. I don't anymore, said a voice from behind Spaceship. Ah! Spaceship panicked and seemed to jump up a bit, even though they were all just floating in subatomic space. Trevor, the yellow dragon said, revealing herself to the group. It is good to see you. Shala the orange dragon said. It is good to see you after all this time. Time? Shalar questioned. How long has it been? Seventy years, Trevor announced. Ah, she said reluctantly. Well, time was never my area of expertise. Shalar, Trevor continued. What was that thing that tried to eat us? 
What are squarks? Squarks are the reason I've been in the sea of everything for 70 years. Since magic broke, the subatomic world has been a mess, and feeding on the particles in the sea of everything. The creatures that look like cuttlefish eat protons. The ones that look like orcas eat neutrons. So good luck coming up with fun names for those. But fortunately, the sharks eat the basic foundations of all particles, quarks. So, you know, sharks, quarks, squarks. She paused a moment until she heard an, oh, I get it now, response from the group. They must be causing havoc in the superatomic world. The what? Tamar asked. Hold on, hold on, I don't get this at all, Walter chimed in. What are all these words you keep saying? Supertonic? Neutrons? Oldtrons? Quirks? I mean, quesadilla, what are you even talking about? Quarks, not quirks, Shalar responded, somewhat offended. Quarks, you know? The frog shook his head. They're made up of neutrons and protons. What about the oldtrons? Walter replied. There are no oldtrons, Shalar shouted back. Look, it's simple. Quarks are made up of neutrons and protons. Then quarks and electrons make up atoms. I mean, you must know this. Walter shook his head again to indicate that no, he did not in fact know this. They're the building blocks of nature, Shalar shouted in frustration. They make up everything, including you. I mean, don't you know anything about quantum physics? Lady, I'm a frog. Look, Trevor interjected in an attempt to calm everybody down. Ignore Shalar. The important thing is we've found her. No, Shalar replied. The important thing is stopping these creatures. Whenever I find them, I either shrink them smaller or I enlarge them where they'll end up in an ocean on Earth. But I can't get them all in time. They're causing mayhem in the meantime. Based on what they're doing to the building blocks of reality here, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a whole world out there slowly turning to chocolate. Ah, Spaceship chimed in. Funny you should say that. Trevor, Wheezy interrupted. You can help. You can teleport us around the subatomic world almost instantaneously, and Shalai can shrink them. Or grow them, Shalai added. Or grow them in just a few seconds. Trevor nodded. Shalai nodded. Let's go, Trevor said. For the next couple of seconds, that felt like hours, the group teleported throughout the sea of everything, and Shalai shrunk, or grew, hundreds, or maybe thousands, of squarks, cuttletons, and neutrorkas, as the terrified group decided to call them. And then, they were done. Except, more creatures popped up, out of nowhere. There's no way of fixing this while magic is broken. Shala, Trevor said with an I-can't-believe-we-haven't-talked-about-this-yet sigh. That's why we're here. The great Gonzalo has returned. It is time. Time to fix magic. Well, why didn't you say so? Let's go. The group was surrounded by a yellow glow and found the objects around them getting smaller and smaller, indicating that they themselves were growing larger and larger. Gradually, enormous objects around them shrunk, and before long, they found themselves on a hilltop, back in the realm of dragons. Off in the distance, they saw an enormous building sticking at an angle from the beach, which was, by chance, an almost exact replica of the top 12 stories of the Burj Khalifa, though none of them recognized it. Confused, the group looked around. Trevor wanted to find the rest of the group of dragons. But then, 
the creatures heard a voice coming from something on the ground. Something that looked like it had been thrown aggressively through the air and crashed to the ground with its wooden backing sticking into the hillside. It sang cheerfully to the group. Don't worry, be happy now. To be continued. That story might have been our craziest yet. And now, we'd love to hear your crazy stories about the shrinking Shalar, the teleporting Trevor, other Mooseverse characters, or even your own stories, whether they're in the Mooseverse or not. This week, Aaron from Brooklyn, New York, sent us the first few chapters of a story he's been working on called Spider School. Aaron has been taking part in StoryLab, our online writing workshop for kids. Find out more about StoryLab at mooseverse.com. In this section of the story, the main character, Bill, is on his way to the school bus for his first day in third grade, after dreaming in the night about the thing that scares him the most, spiders. Take a listen. Bill reached the corner and checked the time on his watch. He was early, not late. Where was the bus? Suddenly, he looked up at the sky and noticed a spaceship in the shape of a giant spider. Instinctively, he threw the nearest thing, which was a rock, on the ground. This got the spaceship's attention. It sent out a rainbow tractor beam and sucked Bill up into the spaceship that looked like a spider. The spaceship was the size of a school bus and looked black on the inside and the outside. When he got inside the giant spider spaceship, he knew what his dream had been predicting. This was his new school bus, and his mom had apparently enrolled him in spider school without telling him. My mom is going to pay for this, Bill muttered under his breath. Thanks so much for sending that in, Aaron. We can't wait to find out the rest of the story. Like Aaron, you can send in a story you've written, or you can record a story yourself on audio or video, or even send in pictures. We'll include some on our website, mooseverse.com, and we may even include a snippet on future episodes of the podcast. In addition to information about StoryLab, mooseverse.com is also where you'll find downloadable coloring pages, Tales from the Mooseverse merchandise, and information about how to join our Patreon team to support the podcast. So we're looking forward to reading your stories. After all, the stories we tell and the stories you tell are all part of the Mooseverse. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>